Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Weekend Warriors, the weekly foreign affairs podcast that covers the world around you. I'm Essie Cup. While we are all, of course, hyper-focused here in the U.S. on the midterm elections in less than two weeks, Brazil is eyeing an historic second-round presidential vote in just three days. Why this isn't just any election is because Jair Bolsonaro, a Brazilian congressman, former army captain, and right-wing populist, has been called the Trump of the tropics. He's been campaigning on a law and order, anti-establishment message that many see as dangerously authoritarian. Sound familiar? Among his more controversial quotes, just to paint a picture for you, he has said of religion, God above all, this history of a secular state doesn't exist. No, the state is Christian and those who are against it can leave. The minority must bow to the majority. On why he told a leftist deputy, Maria do Rosario, that she doesn't deserve to be raped. Yeah, that happened. He said she doesn't deserve to be raped because she's very ugly. She's not my type. I'd never rape her. I'm not a rapist. But if I was, I wouldn't rape her because she doesn't deserve it. On homosexuality, Bolsonaro has said, I wouldn't be able to love a gay son. I wouldn't be a hypocrite. I'd prefer a son to die in an accident than appear with a mustacho. Okay, today we are talking to Glenn Greenwald of The Intercept. Glenn, you've lived in Brazil for years. You married a Brazilian. Your husband, David, is a city councilman running for Congress. You have a unique perspective of being able to compare and contrast Bolsonaro and Trump. But before we make this all about him, let's first talk about Brazil and how it got here. There's been a conflation of factors that brought Bolsonaro to where he is. Uh, Corruption, crime, trade being among the most influential. Talk first about Operation Car Wash. So this Operation Car Wash is really, in a lot of ways, at the center of what's taking place. It's important to realize Brazil is not some far-right country for the last four presidential elections. In fact, it has elected a center-left party, which is the Workers' Party, founded by a former labor union leader, Lula da Silva, and his predecessor was a former Marxist guerrilla imprisoned under the dictatorship. So it's hardly some far-right country. And one of the main reasons that the country is so now willing to turn to what it perceives falsely to be this outsider who wants to burn down the system is this Operation Car Watch, which is this massive corruption scandal that has swept up virtually every political party, the nation's financial elites, and exposed the entire political system, not just to be run 
in isolated ways on corruption, but to itself be systematic corruption, stealing the country's wealth mm. at the expense of the population. And that drives people into the arms of those who appear to be outside of the system. Well, so more than 200 Brazilian politicians, business leaders, as you mentioned, corporations have all been swept up in Operation Car Wash. According to Gallup, just 17 percent of Brazilians have confidence in their national government. It's no wonder. But why is Bolsonaro filling that void? Why has he become the answer to that? So I think a lot of, um, I mean, and, and I, we can talk in a minute, and I hope we do, about the reasons I personally find the comparison between Bolsonaro and Trump be so off base. I think Bolsonaro is much closer to, say, Duterte of the Philippines or even General Sisi of Egypt, on yeah. top of which Brazilian. Yeah, no, I do. I definitely want to talk to you about that for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, so it's even more extreme than just say turning to Trump. But I do think the dynamics mm -hmm. of say what led to Brexit and Trump's victory and the rise of extremist parties in Western Europe, for example, are similar mm -hmm. in that, of course, there's a small percentage of. The, the Bolsonaro supporters who love the comments that you started off the segment by talking about mm -hmm. his racism, homophobia, and misogyny. But a lot of them don't love that. In fact, mm -hmm. are voting for him despite it because they're just desperate and hopeless. Um, mm -hmm. And they've come to conclude that the political system that has been sort of the ruling class under, you know, switching from center right to center left has destroyed their future. And they have yeah. good reason to think that. And so they're willing to run into the arms of whatever demagogue threatens to burn it down, no matter how bad that person is, because they think they have nothing to lose. Well, and part of that desperation, part of that good reason to believe that is crime in Brazilian cities uh, is up. Seven cities in Brazil are among the world's 20 most violent now. Um, how big of a factor has that been for Bolsonaro's appeal for this, like, return to a kind of military rule, uh, even even just rhetorically? I think it's the most important factor. Um, just to give you one statistic, the chances of a Rio de Janeiro city police officer being killed tomorrow is greater than the chances that a U.S. soldier was going to die at the height of the Iraq war. It's wow. essentially war-level violence in Brazilian cities. And the way we as human beings are constituted is instinctively we have a hierarchy of needs, and at the top of it is survival for ourselves and our family. And when people think that their kids are going to leave the house and not come back because they're going to get caught up in drug right. shootouts or they themselves are going to get killed so recklessly and easily and casually, things like freedom of the press and freedom of speech and due process seem kind of remote and abstract luxuries. And when you have someone who's a milit former military captain promising to bring order and just slaughtering criminals indiscriminately, just getting rid of them, extinguishing them, wiping them off the map, that seems attractive to people who are really worried about their physical safety. I've been to Rio. I've been to the favelas. I, I, I remember what Rio was. But in the past few years, what kinds of changes have you seen on the ground as a, as a resident of Rio? I mean, the tragedy of all of this is that anyone who's been to Brazil or been to Rio understands the unique beauty and potential of this yeah. country, not just the physical beauty, but of its people. It's just there's nothing else like it on the planet. And so all the things that are captivating about it, its culture, its people, its history, its potential are all still thriving and vibrant. Hmm. The problem is that there is an elite class 
that has gone so far over the line in terms of gorging itself at the expense of everybody else that they have caused civic society to break down. And so you just do know more people who every day, anecdotally, in every social class, telling you that they've been the victims of robbery or violent crime from the poorest to the richest. Bolsonaro's support spans every social class, and that's the reason. So he is saying his administration would be one of authority, not authoritarianism. Do you do you buy that distinction? No, because for 30 years he's been saying exactly the opposite until he wanted to win the election. So on top of all the quotes that you started off by mentioning to me, the even more significant ones are the fact that for 30 years he's been saying that Brazil was much better off under military rule than it has been under democracy. Yeah. The military dictatorship that ruled the country until 1985, supported by the U.S. and the U.K., used torture, summary execution, all the kind of appendages of dictatorship. And he has said the only mistakes he thinks it made was that it only tortured dissidents and didn't kill more of them. He said right. he actually thinks that 30,000 more of them should have been killed. Yeah. He said if he were ever elected president, the first thing he would do is close the Congress. His son just got caught on tape two months ago saying that the Supreme Court ruled against them. They would just send tanks and colonels outside of the Supreme Court, and no one's going to go to the street marching for the Supreme Court. So you have 30 years of a history of him just vehemently and explicitly and quite candidly opposing democracy as a form of government. So nobody believes that he suddenly had a transformation in the last six weeks when he needed to moderate his image in order to win. Mm. He's also had uh, quite an effect on other candidates who have done well in their elections by supporting him and his agenda. So do you think this is maybe part of a, a larger reformation of, of the far right in Brazil or an ascendance of, of the far right? Definitely. And again, you know, you see this internationally, right? So look at the Republican Party in 2016. They had these establishment-backed centrist candidates like Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio, who just went nowhere and all of their votes went to Donald Trump. And you see the same thing on the left in France. The Socialist Party has disappeared in favor of the far left. In the UK, the Blairites are gone in favor of Corbyn. So the center of Brazilian politics, these kind of center-right establishment pro-business parties, have completely collapsed as a political force, and all of their support has migrated to Bolsonaro. So just to give you one statistic that's amazing, Bolsonaro's party, before 2018's election, had one representative in Congress, mm -hmm. Bolsonaro. After the vote two weeks ago, it now has 53. So it's now the second largest party in Brazil. People that nobody ever heard of, just these really deranged, obscure people who just joined the Bolsonaro movement years ago when nobody else would, have been elected to the highest office, even though nobody has any idea who they were, just because they're aligned with him. So it's not just Bolsonaro, but the entire movement mm. that has taken over largely at the expense of centrist and center-right politics. I mean, listening to you, um, this, I think, to a lot of our listeners is going to sound a lot like Trump. I am interested to hear from you why that's not completely the case. Uh, let's take a quick break, and there's more with Glenn Greenwald uh, in a minute. Welcome back to Weekend Warriors. I'm Essie Cup. I'm joined by Glenn Greenwald of The Intercept. We're talking about Brazil's upcoming election. It's just three days away. And the rise of Jair Bolsonaro is a very Trump-like story in some ways to the naked 
here. And he's been called the Trump of the tropics. Uh, Glenn, you say that comparison is not completely apt. Why not? So, as I said, for one thing, I do think that his enduring, sustained ideology is far more extreme and radical than Trump's. I've never heard Trump over 30 years repeatedly calling for the installation of a dictatorship or advocating the use of torture, not in the war on terror, but for domestic dissidents, saying that the Congress should be closed, the Supreme Court should be closed. But the much more, whatever, you know, people will then say, well, Trump secretly in in the darkest depth of his mind would like to do those things. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But the important thing to me is that, in my view, American democracy is actually stronger and more vibrant than it's been in decades Mm -hmm. in reaction to Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, The media is more adversarial. The citizenry is more engaged in protesting. The courts are more active. Whereas Brazilian democracy is only 33 years old. It's younger than both of us, as depressing as that is. (laughs) And as a result, uh, only a little bit younger than me, but also younger than you. And as a result, it's institutions, the, the ones that are designed to safeguard democracy and democratic values, are much more fragile. I mean, half the country already was living in and was born into a dictatorship. And so unlike in the U.S. where you have generations of people inculcated with the idea that no matter how bad things get, yeah. dictatorship always makes them worse. In Brazil, you have people including in leadership positions who are part of and supportive of the dictatorship and who believe that things were better then. And so um, there's just far, far fewer of emits on what Bolsonaro would want to do in his worst, darkest dreams than what Trump would in, would, would confront and so, has confronted. So does that make Jair more dangerous? Maybe not just because of his underpinning philosophy, um, because I'm not really sure Trump even has one. But because at least here we have, you know, we have a system of checks and balances, one that you you, you say has been performing much uh, more, uh, much, much more strongly uh, since Trump. Does that make Jair a lot more dangerous? Absolutely. I mean, look, I, you know, I go to the U.S. all the time and I go on TV and I speak in venues and I speak very critically of Trump. I write about Trump critically. Yeah. You know, you do, too. Yeah. All your colleagues at CNN do every single day. And I don't think there's any palpable real fear that the FBI is coming to arrest you or there's rogue gangs at the behest of the government coming to kill you. Um, I'm not saying that those threats don't exist at all. Obviously, we saw just this week that mm-hmm. they could. Um, but in a systemic way, there's protections of all kinds. You see the FBI and the CIA, um, you see the media and the Congress and the courts and the citizenry mobilized against those kinds of incursions. Whereas in Brazil, the only institution powerful enough to stop him is the military. And by and large, they're now consolidated mm-hmm. Behind him, his vice presidential candidate is a four-star general who actually was one of the rulers of the military regime. So things are a lot grimmer and more grave because of that. Do you think about leaving? I mean, I don't, you know, we we have a life here and, and we've just adopted two Brazilian children who yeah. we believe this country belongs to. And so the idea of just, you know, we're not packing our bags and getting ready to run away But of course, you know, you look at what happened from 1964 to 1985 in this country, the journalists who were murdered, the dissidents who were Mm -hmm. tortured, the violence that engulfed our political life. And of course, you think about your risks and how to manage them and whether you can manage them and if not, what contingency plans are needed. And everybody I know is thinking along the Mm -hmm. same way. Well, I know how much you 
love it there. Um, so I hope I hope it doesn't come to that. But I, I do want to get your reaction uh, to something you just alluded to. Trump's comments about the media this week after a bomb was sent to high-profile Democrats um, and one person in particular at CNN. Um, Trump said the media is responsible for anger and a lack of civility. I would love to hear what you made of that. So I, up until this point, have been a little bit resistant to the idea that Trump has been attacking a free press Mm -hmm. other than by criticizing and insulting some of its stars. I have not regarded that as the kind of assault on the free press that real dictatorships endure. At the same time, rhetoric and words can create a climate in which all of that's ushered in, even if the president or the government is not itself directing it. And I think when you have a situation as serious as multiple bombs being sent to prominent politicians and celebrities and news organizations that Trump himself has named as prime targets, in a climate like that to then come out and blame the very media that just received bombs into its newsroom is starting to cross lines for me that almost suggests that Trump not only is indifferent to this kind of violence, but on some level is happy about it and mm-hmm. wants to almost use it as a tool of intimidation mm-hmm. um, to threaten media outlets that if they continue to do things he doesn't like, namely criticize and report negatively on him, that he'll continue to stoke these fires. And that I do think is legitimately dangerous. Well, Glenn, uh, thanks so much for breaking this down for us. I find this election that's happening in three days um, in your adopted home country uh, to be fascinating. I will be watching and I'm so glad that you could uh, discuss what's going on over there for my audience here at Weekend Warriors. I appreciate it. Thank you for shining some light on it. It's a really interesting and important situation, not just for people in Brazil. So I really appreciate your having me. My pleasure. Thanks, Glenn, as always. And thank you. Thank you for listening to Weekend Warriors. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.